You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Presented by the Angie App and LL Flooring's Profiles Podcast. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. What are you guys working on now the weather is warming up? If you've got a house project to tackle, inside or out, you're in the right place because that's what we do. Well, not every weekend, but most weekends, there's something going on around our homes, whether uh, it is a painting project or a planting project. We've got stuff that we're doing. We know you are doing the same, and we would love to help. So reach out to us with your questions. You can do that by going to moneypit.com slash ask. Click the blue microphone button and leave us your question. Uh, we will get that audio sent right to us and get back to you the next time we do the show. Hey, coming up on today's episode, is mold making its way onto your otherwise very tidy house? Well, the truth is that even the cleanest of homes can have mold, and we're not just talking about the kind of mold you find in the back of your fridge. We're going to share some of these surprising places mold can hide and tell you what to do when you find it. And adding a backyard deck is one surefire way to increase your home's living space, but is building a backyard deck a DIY project? We're going to share some guidelines coming up. Yeah, and also ahead, losing power is always a hassle, but circuit breakers trip for a reason. So we're going to tell you why these devices keep you safe and what to do if they keep tripping, because most people get it wrong. Well, it is officially springtime and everybody is getting outdoors and hopefully everybody on the West Coast is digging out of all of that massive amount of snow that they've seen in the past whole winter season. My goodness. So what are you guys working on? I'm sure out there there's going to be a lot of repairs that need to be made, but on the sunnier side of the country, maybe you're working outside. Whatever you've got going on at your money pit, let us give you a hand. So give us a call so we can figure out what you guys are working on. The studio number is 888-MONEYPIT. It's 888-666-3974. Or you can go to moneypit.com slash ask and leave us your question right there. So let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? All right, heading to the Hudson Valley, New York area, where we've got Benjamin on the line, who's got some leaking in a radon system. What's going on? Yeah, we have a radon system. Uh, I'm not sure when it was installed, but we bought the house back in September of last year. So we're fairly new here, um, but have had no problems thus far except for this. Um, the radon pipe, it's about three three inch wide PVC pipe. It makes like a 45 degree angle turn right before it reaches the floor of the basement in which it goes below the floor. Um, right at the top of that 45-degree turn, so not anywhere in the turn, but at the top of it where it connects to the rest of the straight pipe. Um, Sometimes when it's a drastic temperature change or when it snows or rains really hard, that connection right there builds up water on the outside. It seems like it's leaking a little bit. Um, 
I initially first thought the problem was um, because of rainwater, because when I went out and looked outside, the top of it was just a straight up pipe with no cap on it or anything, you know, to let the fumes out. And um, so I put a double elbow on it so that to have the fumes go down so that there wasn't, um, you know, an opening facing the sky um, didn't solve the problem. So now I'm kind of like perplexed as to a, why it's happening and b like how to fix it without like taking apart the whole PVC pipe, you know, cause obviously I don't want to do that. <laughs> Absolutely. So here's what I think is going on. So your radon pipe, it basically goes below the slab and it pulls gas out from underneath the slab of the basement floor and it goes into a fan. And then that fan pushes it above the fan to that vent you were talking about near the roof. So think of it as like a big shop vac, right, where you're sticking the suction line into the floor, and then you turn the vacuum on, and it's pulling up whatever's below it. Now, you're trying to have it pull up just air, but since you said that this happens consistent with with moisture and with snowfall and rainfall, I think what's happening is that you're getting water in that area under the floor, and the radon is a pretty strong fan, so think of it as a pretty strong vacuum, and it's pulling up some of that water with the air. And that's what you're seeing leak out that section, that joint of the pipe that you described. So what I would do is I would look outside that area and I would examine the gutter first to make sure that it's absolutely clean. And then I would look at the downspouts to make sure that they are solidly piped away from the house by at least six feet. And thirdly, I would look at the angle of the soil right around that area. And you want to make sure it's sloping away by about six inches over four feet. Because whenever you have any sort of leak, and this includes the condition that you're describing, that's consistent with heavy rainfall, it is always, always, always water that is sourcing underneath and around that foundation. And the good news is it's easy to fix. You just got to figure out why you're collecting so much water there and take the steps to correct that. And then your problem will magically disappear. That, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, I, I listen to you guys a lot, and I hear all your comments about um, grading and, and all that stuff, so I'm pretty, yeah. like, conscious about that. Um, I, I would I would agree that maybe the grade could be, like, from the, the, the radon is on the north side of the house, the, the kit, and the um, house pitches from the north to the south. Um, and so they're really, like... I don't see there being much water that like sits in that specific spot. Um, and when it comes to just like the pitch of the land, but I could see, um, raising the grade, like right going like East to West, right in front of where the mitigation system is. You really only have to raise it along the wall. Not, we're not talking about a mm-hmm. big project here. Just the first four to six feet, around the house. That's where it's got to slope away. But I would do everything else okay. first. I can I can almost guarantee you there's another source of water besides that grading because it's almost always, uh, the grading is always sort of secondary to something that's wrong with the gutter system. It might be getting over overwhelmed. If you have one long gutter and you have only one downspout and a heavy rain, well, guess what? That water is not all going down the gutter. It's probably splashing up and over. In fact, you want to prove it to yourself the next time you have a you know a really heavy rainfall. Grab your umbrella and head on outside and see what's happening yeah. with that water. I got to tell you, it's quite an education because you know you just don't think about the stuff or see it when you're inside the house. But if you watch from the outside, you're going to be like, "Wow, I didn't know that gutter was clogged. 
uh, or maybe you've got some other sort of erosion. But that's really the solution here. You've got to get the moisture under control, okay? Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Bathroom projects are always great, but a lot of work. Jackie in Michigan's working on one right now. How can we help? Well, I have a question. I um, I have done some plumbing, and um, I am going to be taking out an old tub and putting in a tile shower in place of it. So the diverter and the shower head are fine. I'm going to be removing the tub faucet because I'll no longer have a tub. Can I just cap off that pipe coming to the tub faucet, or do I have to put a whole new diverter in? No, you have to put a shower valve in because you're going you're gonna to have to disconnect the whole spout. I mean, the way you get water for the shower now is run it through the tub spout, then pull up the diverter, and then it starts coming out the spout. So you're going to need to put in a shower valve. And I would also suggest, since you're doing that, put in what's called a pressure-balanced shower valve. This will make sure that if somebody's running water somewhere else in the house, you don't get either scalded or, or just chilled because it will make sure that the water temperature mix always stays the same. So that's an opportunity to do that. Let me ask you this question. The wall behind where the bathroom is right now, is that accessible? Is it, has it been opened up in the past to, to work on the plumbing? No, they left a little access panel. The tub that's in there now is actually like um, a jetted tub. Right. Oh, and, okay. And and so they left an access panel to get to the maybe the motor and the jet right. or whatever on the tub. But there's nothing to even – I figured I could, when I was tearing out some of the tile and pulling out the spout, I could just remove the spout. I thought maybe I could just cap it off. But then I thought, no, because you – just like you said, you pull up on the spout to send the water right. to the shower yep, head. Exactly. Yeah. So I need a whole new diverter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yep. See, it's always it's always a bigger project, and, and plumbing is one of those things that you know if you don't do it every day, uh, it can uh, you know it can be confusing and it can be very time consuming. So you might want to plan this where you're doing the demolition and then and the tiling work, but you have a plumber come in at the appropriate time and just uh, reroute those pipes properly, install that diverter valve, and then you won't have to worry about getting wrong because if you do it's a heck of a mess to fix it and by the way the other thing to think about doing is to open up the wall from the back side 
And a lot of times, if you have a wall behind a tub, maybe, maybe the adjoining room, sometimes like in my house, there's one, there's a closet behind the bathroom and the back closet wall, we have a panel in it. And if we lift that panel out, we can get to all the plumbing that's in that actually bath, that actually serves that bathtub in the shower. So if you have the opportunity to create an access panel like that, uh, that could be valuable going forward as well. Jackie, thanks so much for calling us at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Joe, you've got the money pit. Tell us what you need help with. Well, I need help with an idea of how to clean the grouting in my kitchen. Uh, it's a ceramic tile, and the, the grout has gotten uh, discolored and dark over the years. And I was wondering if there was a, a product or some kind of solution you could um, give me that, that, would, that would help us clean it. So you have two types of products out there. You have grout cleaners and grout strippers. The grout stripper is usually one that is a, a lot um, stronger in terms of being able to lighten up that, that grout. Um, the key is that you have to put it on and let it sit for a little bit. So if it's uh, in your kitchen, is this your kitchen floors or kitchen ca- uh, counters or backsplash? What is it? It's the floor. Okay. So, yeah, you got to put it on there and let it sit for a bit um, and then go ahead and, and, and rinse it off. And it does a pretty good job of brightening these things out. Uh, there's a lot of different manufacturers of it. I, I can't. I don't have one that I'm particularly fond of over another. But I, I do encourage you to look for a grout stripper as opposed to a grout cleaner. And once you do get it clean, then what you should also do is apply a grout sealer, which is a silicon product that goes over the grout, and that will stop a lot of the dirt from getting back in there and will keep it brighter for a lot longer. Okay, that sounds really good. Uh, what type of store might I find at? Uh, like a Home Depot, a Lowe's yes. type store? Yep, a home center, a Home Depot, a Lowe's, a hardware store. Okay, well, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate uh, your input, and I'm going to definitely get right on that. Well, even the cleanest of homes can have mold, and we're not just talking about the mold that covers last week's leftovers. Besides being unsightly, it can actually cause some serious health problems. So what do you do when you find mold and is removal a DIY project? We're going to walk you through it. Now, first, the extent and the type of mold is going to determine whether you can handle this mold cleanup project on your own or you need the assistance of a mold removal pro. Now, if it's a small mold cleanup job, and that's generally defined as 10 square feet or less, it can definitely be a DIY project, as long as there's no one in the household who's like super sensitive to mold, because people have varying sensitivities to it. So if you're like sort of the average person, you could do it yourself. Now, if the cleanup is bigger than 10 square feet, then it's time to turn to a pro for the project, because that mold, those spores can escape with bigger cleanup projects like that. They can go throughout the house, and we just don't want you to do that. Yeah, and you know, like hiring any pro, selecting a qualified mold removal pro is going to require that you qualify them carefully, especially because your health is at stake here. You want to ask for references from past clients and seek information from professional training and certification organizations such as the American Indoor Air Quality Council and the Indoor Air Quality Association. Now, you should also check for insurance coverage for mold removal and carefully review your policy and ask your insurance agent. You have to be aware that mold remediation can be very expensive and more and more insurance companies are instituting coverage limits or even charging extra for mold riders. Now, finally, what do you do to prevent the return of mold? You got it all cleaned up. You're all proud of yourself. You did a great job. But here's the deal. Mold can grow back, and it can grow back fast, usually within 24 to 48 hours. Whenever you have air, moisture, like from leaks or spills or high humidity and condensation and food sources. So what does mold like to eat? Well, 
around the house, probably the most common thing is your walls because they're made of paper. You know, drywall has a paper surface, and that's often where we see mold form. And then if it's a damp area like a crawl space, you could have mold growing in the lumber and places like that. So it actually appears a lot more places than just your fridge, guys. So if you want to stop it from coming back, you've got to dry it up because it's really a formula, right? You've got to have air. You've got to have food, and you've got to have moisture. If you take one of those away, then you're not going to have the problem. And the easiest thing to take away is the moisture just by good grading and drainage and not letting things sort of build up around your house. Keep that humidity down, and you'll have a lot better chance of not having mold come back. We've got Robin in Maryland on the line who's looking to do a flooring project. How can we help? So I have the whole house. It's a condo in Ocean City, so from the front door to the back door all needs to be done. But the kitchen area has... Um, issues with getting the uh, appliances out, so I wanted to put the laminate from the front wall to the back wall without trying to take out that little Luan thing that they have for, like, the backing for a, what was linoleum floor, so I think a quarter inch going in, and then it has an opening that leads into the living room, dining room area that I wanted to know if I could put one of those tread things there and make the transition look good, or is it going to look not fit together and look funny. I didn't want to take up the Luan in the kitchen that goes underneath of all the cabinets. Right. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. The only thing is, if you... If you put laminate on top of that, just make sure that you're not sort of blocking your dishwasher in. Because if you have a floor that's higher than the dishwasher, and it's okay if you have like the screw legs on the dishwasher and you still got like an inch or so of, of, of room there where you can adjust it up and down. But I've seen people actually lock in the dishwasher by putting flooring right up against that, and they now they can't get it out without you know raising the countertop, for example. But in terms of your your uh, question about the sill, yes, you can put a transition piece across that and it's probably a good idea because there's going to be so much traffic there that will um, help you make that um, make sure that that area of the floor doesn't sort of buckle or twist or wear through quicker than the rest i would just probably choose something that matches the color i don't know if you're going to find the exact product that you're using made in a sill version but you could probably find something close what do you think leslie Generally, you can get them from the manufacturer to match the flooring. But if you've got two completely different things, go with something that sort of matches whatever else in the room. And I think Tom's onto something with like a metal finish or something that gives you that same transition from space to space, but coordinates with everything else. Should I have it be wide, like the four inches of the wall opening, or should it be thin? Do you at least want it to be four inches wide? I've got a transition in my house that's about eight inches wide because I have it the the whole depth of the of the door. It just happened to work well for that. But you definitely want it to be at least four inches wide because otherwise it's going to be hard for you to attach it. And if you just have a really thin piece of trim in there, it's going to wiggle free, believe me, with all the foot traffic on top of that. Okay, that's very helpful. So lift the feet on the appliances before I install the floor and widest transition possible. Yeah, exactly. And obviously take the refrigerator out too. You know, you don't want to block in those appliances. You'll be very sad because chances are you get this beautiful floor down and and then a month or two later your dishwasher dies and you can't get it out. (laughs) Okay? Yes. Yay! You helped me very much. Thank you. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. 
Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IAPMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U dot com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. MONEYPIT. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must-not-take-yourself-too-seriously and 6-1 since that matters and What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Kim in New York's on the line. How can we help you? I have a um, water heater. It's oil-fired, I guess is what you would say. And two years ago, we just um, got city water lines at my home. The rest of the years, the house is 56 years old. It's been um, well water. And I'm getting a staining or discolored water from the hot water only. Not from, from just the, the hot water side? Yeah. Huh. I put a paper towel in the sink and I drip the water and it's all discolored. Hmm. So, well, you got some rust in there somehow. I'm not quite sure if that's coming from the water heater or that's coming from your plumbing line, but that's probably what's happening. Now, if you let it run for a long time, as opposed to just dripping, is it still discolored? Yeah, I let the water in the in the bathroom sinks just run as a thin, thin stream mm-hmm. line. And, yeah, for quite a while. Um, and I notice that when you fill the tub, I'll clean my tub, fill it, soak it with bleach, right. and drain it, and there's a film. You know, Interesting. Colored film. How how old is your water heater? Well, I don't know where to look for the age of it, mm-hmm. but well, what would you, you guess? Know, it has a thing on there. Yeah. It's, it's probably '06 when I had it first serviced. You know okay. how they have a sticker? Yeah, so it's older than that. So, so it's, it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty old then. It, yeah, correct. Yeah, so you're at the end of a normal life cycle for that for that water heater. So you may be replacing okay. it sooner rather than later. Now, you said it was oil fired. Is it, you don't have gas in the house? No, there's no gas lines out here. Okay, and uh, so your option was either electric or oil. Is that right? Correct. 
Okay. There is another type of water heater today that's electric that's more efficient than the old-fashioned electric water heaters. I just want to make sure you're aware of. It's called a heat pump water heater. It uses a different type of technology. Uh, the prices on these things have come way down since they first uh, came out. Uh, and there are a number of really interesting benefits uh, to these heat pump water heaters today that uh, might make them more attractive to pick up than another oil water heater, which is going to be expensive and not nearly as efficient. So think about a heat pump water heater. The oil-fired ones are expensive and not as... Not as efficient. Yes, correct. Yep. Not, not as, as this electric heat pump one. Okay, thank you. I will look into this. All right, good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Okay, thank you. Well, adding a backyard deck is one surefire way to increase your home's living space. Well, at least for considerably more than half of the year. I mean, depending on what part of the country that you call home. It's an integral part of summer, barbecues, get-togethers. I mean, not to mention a sweet spot for chilling out in a lounge chair or hammock and savoring those warm breezes while you sip an iced tea or even a cold beer and listen to the birds or some fun music. Now, that said, adding or even replacing a backyard deck requires some planning and skill to pull off, which begs the question, should you do the job yourself or should you hire a pro? So let's talk about the pros and the cons of each approach. Now, if you do build it yourself, you're definitely going to save on labor costs. However, building a backyard deck could eat up a lot of time because as fast as you think you're going to do it, it's not going to happen, trust me. So you're talking about a lot of weekends and depending on how quickly you work, um, maybe more, maybe less. Also, the DIY option could be perfect if you're planning on a fairly simple deck, you know, like one that's like 8 by 12 or 12 by 16 and low to the ground. But things get very dicey if you choose a more complicated design or even worse when it's a multi-level deck because gravity is not your friend. Yeah, and like I feel like everything with the deck, you're like bending over, your back hurts. Like It's a pretty involved project. Now, hiring a pro is obviously going to result in a pricier deck since you're going to be paying for their labor. But on the plus side, a professional contractor, well, at least one who's reliable, is likely to finish that project faster than you will. And a professional is also going to take care of all the permitting process and will already know what's up to code and what isn't. And that's going to ensure that your new deck is going to be A-OK with your city inspector. And that's super important. It absolutely is. I, I can tell you in the years I spent as a home inspector, I'd often find decks that people built themselves and didn't get a building permit. And guess what? You are not going to be able to close on that house and get a certificate of occupancy from the building department if you didn't get the proper permits. And it gets even worse because if you so happen to have put this deck up and violated any part of the zoning law, now you got to take it down. I mean, all the way to the yeah. ground. So. Uh, don't cut corners. It's not just pay a fine. No. It's sometimes you got to yeah. start over. Yeah, it's not like, oh, whoopsies. Let's let's. What can we do to fix this? No, <laughs> he's going to say, you know, get get it taken down or move it or cut it and modify it, whatever. And that happens with fences too. So it's really important that you know these laws, these local laws, so you don't kind of get surprised uh, by a less than friendly building uh, inspector with some bad news. So Leslie, I, this is the way I see this happening. If you're a building inspector and you go home for the evening. Yeah, your wife says, hey, how'd it go today? Hey, I got another one. It's like the <laughs> dinner table conversation, right? <laughs> now this guy's going to take his whole deck down because you know what? He didn't get a permit, and I caught him. So don't be <laughs> the dinner time conversation for a local building inspector. Get a permit before you do your project. Hey, guys, do you ever feel like your home is just a money pit? Well, we get it, but come on, guys, really, it's all about perspective. I mean, for us, a money pit isn't a disaster. 
It's a home that we love and a home that you should love. That's right. So whether you're dealing with a repair, you're dreaming about a reno, you can consider us your coach, your helper, or if necessary, we are certified home improvement therapists. Guaranteed for all things remodeling, decor, and fix up. So on the Money Pit podcast, you will hear all those things. Download our show today at moneypit.com slash podcast. Well, if a circuit breaker trips, it's always a hassle. I mean, one area of the home that you should not attempt to do DIY repairs without any experience is definitely this electrical system. So let's talk about why these breakers trip and what you can do about it without getting hurt. So Tom, first of all, why does a breaker trip in the first place? So a circuit breaker or or a fuse has one job and one job only, and that is to stop the wire that carries electricity throughout your house. And there's many of them, as you know, but to stop each individual wire from overheating and causing a fire. Now, every wire has a rating. For example, a number 14 copper wire, which is a common size wire for most outlets and lights and switches and such throughout your house, that's rated at 15 amps. So if for some reason you've got, you know, three hair dryers and two vacuums plugged into the same circuit and you start pulling more than 15 amps, you want the circuit breaker to trip because if not, the wire could heat up and in the worst case scenario, it could cause a fire. So basically what a circuit breaker does is protects the wiring and stops it from overheating. All right. Well, that's good. Now, in any instance here, can you repair this yourself? Well, not really, because it's not so much a repair. And if it is, it's definitely not a DIY project. So if it's an obvious cause of a circuit breaker that's tripping, and by an obvious cause, I mean you are maybe plugging in an air conditioner and a vacuum cleaner all at the same time. And when you do that, it trips. You know why it's tripping, okay? So the solution there is and a new circuit has to be run to carry, to kind of split up that load. Now, if it's happening sort of haphazardly and you can't really pinpoint the cause, the other reason it might happen is because something is deteriorated in your wiring. It could be shorting somewhere, and that's definitely not a DIY project. It's something you have to call a pro for. Plus, uh, anything that causes you to have to open up the electrical panel and take the front off that, that's super dangerous because even when switches are off, there's a lot of hot wiring in there because it basically stays hot from the meter to the main panel, uh, and then there's two bars that go down the back of it, and those are always hot as well. So uh, definitely only if it's a matter of... Um, of trying to move things around and figure out what's wrong, then you can reset the breakers. But you don't want to have to do this uh, if it's happening haphazardly because further diagnostics are needed. Now, what about old fuses? I mean, you almost never see these in modern homes. So when you come across an old fuse, do these panels kind of always need to be replaced or updated at least? Well, it's a good question. I mean, technically, if the right fuses are installed, then there's nothing wrong with having a fuse panel. The problem is that over the years, People can't find the right size fuses. They don't know what right size, what size fuse goes in which sort of hole in the panel, and it gets all kind of messed up. I mean, I used to write on the fuse panels with like a Sharpie what size goes in everything just to make it a little bit easier on my client. But I would say that they're not dangerous if they're properly fused, but it definitely should be an upgrade because, frankly, you just don't want the inconvenience having to deal with fuses. They're more trouble at this point than they're worth, so I would think about replacing the panels. All right, all good tips. Good luck, you guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brian in Alaska's on the line and is having some issues with some discoloration on the walls. What's going on? I have a couple of questions about, you know, springtime. Everybody's getting that fever here in about uh, about two months. But anyhow, yeah. <laughs> long story short, inside my house, it's uh, I have a lot of cedar walls, uh, cedar planking. And um, I've had pictures on the walls in the past. And so what happens is you take the picture down and all that sunlight has faded that uh, cedar. So it's darker where the pictures are at. And yep. so what I'm trying to do is without having to... I'm hoping without having to sand the entire wall down and, and uh, you know, reseal it or refinish it, um, is there anything I can do to help with that, to get the color closer back to well, only if Well, only if you were to stain it, you know, right. um, okay. because you're basically talking about oxidation here. As it's, exposed, as it's exposed to the ultraviolet light from the sun, you're going to get different coloration. And where you have the wall covered, you know, it's going to be different mm-hmm. than where it's not covered. And so, yeah, you can sand it down or you probably don't even have to sand it much if you were to stain it because the stain would basically color the light and the dark places and probably blend it in nicely and would give it some protection against future oxidation. But short of that, I don't really have uh, any other suggestions for you. Okay. Yeah, I was just thinking the sanding kind of idea is what I was going to wind up doing. It's just there. It's a big, it's a big project. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, so don't like move do the it. pictures. I used to say that you could just don't move the picture or get just bigger don't ones. ever move the pictures. <laughs> yeah, or if you have to, get a bigger one. <laughs> yes, exactly true. Or put them back in the same size, and that is also an option. I may have to. Uh, well, that's what I'm doing right now. So I, I do appreciate <laughs> you taking the time to take my call. So it looks like I'm going to sand. So. They have a, uh, I mean, is there any kind of sanity you recommend with that? It's going to be dustless. Yeah, I would just tell you because you're talking about cedar, Brian, that can be, um, really annoying to your lungs. Okay. It can, Correct, it can yeah. cause a, a respiratory reaction. So you want to make sure you're really careful with ventilation. So the best way to vent that space is to depressurize the room you're working in. So let's say you got, you know, a window or door at one end and, and another one at the other end. Put a regular uh-huh. room fan in one of those windows or doors and point it out so that you depressurize uh-huh. the room. In other words, dust that gets into the air gets sucked out and fresh air gets sucked in. That plus make sure you wear a good quality dust mask while you're doing the work so that you stop, right. uh, so you don't breathe in that cedar dust. Jen reached out and says, I followed the instructions on your website for homemade stains and it came out great. I use the one that combines steel wool and vinegar, but my question is, how long can I keep it? You know, it's really interesting how many people love this post about homemade stains. Sometimes these things really surprise me, but it's cool because, you know, to do, to do your own stain is a pretty inexpensive, like practically free thing. But the challenge is that you've got to make enough product, so to speak, to do whatever you're going to do in sort of one application. Because you're sort of hand mixing this stuff and there's a lot of variables, it's really hard to get one that's, um, you know, something you can store and use over and over again, especially um, this idea about doing one with steel wool. But basically, you just take vinegar and you soak four aught, that's that's four zero steel wool in it, and it gives you sort of a very rich reddish hue. But the longer it soaks, the darker it gets. So if you want to use this on a project, you got to make enough to do the whole thing. Now, there's other ideas in our post on moneypit.com, which is called How to Make Natural Wood Stain and More Using Coffee and Beans and Such. Um, But we talk about ways that you can make it using coffee, using tea, using even steel wool, using black raspberries, all come up with different colors, different finishes. You can even make stain using pennies, and then you can spend the pennies. So (laughs) that's what I mean. It's it's practically free. So check that out. But remember, you got to make everything you need at once. 
uh, because it's going to be really difficult to do it two times in a row. Mm-hmm. And maybe it won't match again. <laughs> well, it's not, that's the idea. It won't match. But, I mean, if you if you do a project once and then you go ahead and put your clear coat on top, right, whether it's a varnish or a urethane or whatever, it'll seal it in. If you're using that option for the steel wool, you make it now when you don't finish and you decide to come back tomorrow and put more on, it could be a much darker color by then. All right. Well, now we've got one here from Ronnie, and he says... We have a deck off of our master bedroom. It sits on top of our garage and is becoming a problem because the deck is constantly leaking into the garage. We've tried adding drains and covered the deck in outdoor tile, but that hasn't helped. Should we just enclose the deck to solve that problem? Yeah, that'd be pretty dramatic. But look, having a deck off a master is a nice feature. But the thing is, what you're doing is not going to stop your problem because it sounds like the decking surface is not waterproof. This deck was covered. I mean, this roof was covered with a deck, but the original roof was not waterproof to begin with in terms of being able to stand up to that deck. What you need to do, what works best, is if you use fiberglass for the decking material, and that would replace the roof shingles, and then you're walking basically on the fiberglass. It is not inexpensive, but it's really the only way to have a roof deck, so to speak. You've got to have a material underneath that is very, very durable and slip-resistant. Then, of course, you've got to surround it all with a railing. And uh, just, you know, just going ahead and trying to build a wood deck on top of an asphalt shingle roof or worse yet, over an asphalt roll roof that's just going to slope like a low slope, it's not going to happen. It's just going to wear right through. All right, Ronnie. I hope that gives you a hand because of that deck really could be very nice. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Thank you so much for spending this part of this, what I hope is a beautiful spring weekend in your area of the country. It's pretty darn nice here today, so I'm kind of inspired to go uh, grab a few tools and make some repairs that have been waiting for me, bugging me all winter on the outside of my house. But if you've got a project to tackle and you need help, remember 24-7, you can always reach out to us. I always love it when I surprise people by responding like in the middle of the day or sometimes in the evening to a question that they send us. So I'd be happy to do that for you as well and to feature you on the next edition of the show. So go ahead and reach out to us at 888-MONEYPIT or post your questions at moneypit.com slash ask. Until then, I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a bar.